It's been uh, one hell of a journey. I remember the panic initially when that half a million ARR drop happened within like 48 hours. And I feared that we wouldn't have the discipline to continue on the path that we were on. But we've somehow managed to come through this entire pandemic much stronger, better with some interesting stories to tell. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? All right. So today we're going to try something a little bit different. I have forced my business partner, Jonathan, to come on and we're going to do, we're sitting here, it is approaching the end of Q3 2021. And we thought we would essentially share what we've been up to and doing. Jonathan and I are really impressed with businesses like Copy AI and ConvertKit that really work in public and talk about the performance they've done, the good and bad of things they did to get there. So we're looking to do the same today. But Jonathan, how do you feel about showing some numbers and talking about what Growth Hit is doing today? I'm very excited. It's been um, hoping to one day be a part of something where we could share our numbers. Uh, Buffer has always been an interesting company that I've looked up to. So hopefully we can share something that'll be useful to someone on this podcast. Yeah, Buffer's a really good one as well. I mean, they publish everything too. They'll publish what they pay to every employee too. So I, I, that scares me a little bit, but um, <laughs> yeah. as a content consumer, I love it. Yeah, it's by far the most extreme example of this. I think uh, the shock value of that helped them grow a lot back in the day. So to give perspective, so growth hit, what, what is that? Uh, we have a growth marketing consultancy that essentially functions as people's external growth team for hire. And we focus on high growth companies, usually consumer facing D2C brands on Shopify. And we really just do three things. We function as that strategic lead. We're doing conversion rate optimization ads and email marketing. So enough with our sales pitch. I just annoyed myself. <laughs> but why it's significant. So we were hitting essentially 2 million ARR in revenue. And the reason why that is significant, actually, let me just pause. I always feel so awkward throwing our numbers out there because some people be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize they were doing that well. And then other people could be like, oh, they're much smaller than I realized. So just getting comfortable with that. But the reason why that is significant is during the pandemic last year, our ARR, annual occurring revenue, essentially how much money we make a year, dropped significantly. Like Jonathan and I lost half a million dollars in 48 hours, essentially, to where our annual revenue went down to like 300,000, which it's hard to pay people um, when, when you have that big of a jump down. So that's why it's kind of fun today to, to hit this milestone of essentially 2 million. And I think one thing you and I should do a much better job of is actually like celebrating small victories because I think we just get our head down and go so deep in the weeds sometimes we forget to, to look up. Yeah, I agree. It's been uh, one hell of a journey. We've managed to grow this agency during COVID, literally. I remember the panic initially when that half a million ARR drop happened within like 48 hours. And I feared that we wouldn't have the discipline to continue on the path that we were, we were on. But we've somehow managed to come through this entire pandemic much stronger, better with some interesting stories to tell. So all very interesting. 
So to even give context, what's interesting, Jonathan and I are business partners, but it wasn't like we were college buddies in a dorm room that hatched an idea to start an agency, which by the way, is the least innovative idea ever. <laughs> I had this company for a while. I, it was kind of a side hustle for like a year and a half, two years. And I actually had someone else that was helping me. His name's George Featherstone, complete rock star. But I had really big goals to grow this thing. And he was a hard worker and a stud, but he's like, you know, I... I like being able to just have a, a set amount of money I make each year and just do the work that I like doing. And so he was super cool in us figuring out like what that means. And so I started going off kind of on my own. And I was this one man band running this agency. But here's the problem with the way I work. I am not like Jonathan in that I'm extremely organized and a great operator. And so I could only grow it to as many clients as I could could manage. So hitting like 600,000 in revenue was literally the ceiling. And then like finding Jonathan, we can get into how we met. Like you literally unlocked the ability to go to this next level by systematizing how we work. But before we even get to that, I'm interested to hear your version of how we met. Interesting. So I actually had to think through and try to remember the first moment Jim entered my orbit. <laughs> and I, I'm like an avid reader of like anything marketing. So and I, I think you're probably hearing the story for the first time as well. So I was reading up on blogs, following a lot of people. And I noticed that I started to follow any like things related to growth marketing, reading up on Sean Ellis. And there was this other guy called Jim with his amazing hair, I remember, which we still use on the Growth Insight, uh, <laughs> where you had this book, Growth Marketing or Growth Hacking. There actually aren't many books in that space. I still, it was very fresh at around that time. And I signed up for your newsletter and just started following you. You were on one of the few, I'd say like five to 10 people, along with James Clear and Tim Ferriss that I would just, you know, regularly read about uh, as you guys were pu publishing things. And then randomly, there was this one email you sent out once where you said, hey, seeking help. Just an SOS email almost. Uh, <laughs> where, <laughs> and I said, you know what? This is interesting. Let me just reach out to him. And I said, you know, there's actually nothing to lose here. I was uh, working at Chrometrics at that time, really just maxed out, didn't enjoy it. There were a lot of big clients, impressive names, but there was no satisfaction coming from that was working on side projects, had funnel teardowns at that time as well. And I felt like working with someone who has similar interests, was trying to grow something which would only lead to something interesting. And I, I felt like there was a lot of trust since day one when our first conversation happened. So it was smooth sailing after that for the most part. Oh, that's so funny. It just goes to show like putting content out there is a way for people to like get a feel for how you think so you can get the right people. Cause had I not put any content, I mean, yeah, I don't know how we would have connected. So that that's so funny. So here's my version of the story. Yeah, I definitely like hit hitting the SOS button through my new email newsletter, like need help hiring. I put some like junior level position, but really I'm just like, anybody please like come save me. And you responded and you're like, hey, let's do a call. I was like, this guy seems interesting. But here's what's funny. We set up a call to do an interview. So usually in an interview setting, the person that's the interviewer who's going to the interviewee, you're asking all the questions. And I've, I've been at startups where I've, I've hired like 
50 people. I've, I've done quite a bit of interviewing. I've read a lot of books on it. I feel pretty confident that I'm a decent person for hiring. Um, we did this interview. You quickly turned the tables on me and you're like, actually, before we start, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? You proceeded to grill me for 30 minutes. And at first I was like, who the heck does this guy think this is? I mean, let's end this call right now. But every question was so good and thoughtful around growth marketing around the agency and the long-term goals at the end of it, like you were interviewing me and I was trying to sell you on growth hit. I remember leaving that meeting and I was with Nama in the office and she's like, how'd it go? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, that was the strangest interview ever. <laughs> but um, anyway, that was my take from the uh, interview process. The other thing that you did that was really smart, and this could be good advice for anybody that's going out trying to find a co-founder or a partner, you weren't like, okay, I want to work for growth hit. Here's my salary I make now. And here's what I need to have. Mm -hmm. You did the complete opposite. You're like, let's just test working together. And you were like, you asked for nothing essentially. I think we did like free projects together. And even when you came on, yeah. it was like, let's just test this at a short-term basis. And the reason why that was smart, you came in, dem demonstrated so much value that when it came time to figure out what is the structure, it was like, well, first I can't now do this company without you. Now that I've seen what it's like having you on board, it was a totally different conversation where it's like, if we're on the same page with a long-term goal, let's make this a real partnership. And I, I don't know how intentionally you were with that. I think you were just being cautious wanting to dip your toes in the water, but I thought that was really smart because I think people traditionally would look at it differently. Yeah, I was also looking at just the long-term play here. And I felt like the relationship was more valuable than any short-term income that could be gained from working with GrowthIt. So it was more of like, how can we build something that's long-term? And as Naval says, you know, relationships compound and the final payment is really towards the end rather than anything you make initially. So that's just my personality type. It's like, let's just invest in the relationship. Let's build something together. And whatever the payout is, we'll worry about that later on. Yeah. And we've kind of set it up. And, you know, obviously, like, it's hard to be like, oh, here's like a chunk of the company. But we were able to get like lawyers involved and go this path of like phantom shares. But more importantly, it's, you know, as we're able to grow and invest in things, being able to do that, like in, in a partnership setting, which I think is the the coolest part. And I'll be honest, some of the best people we work with today, it started with that kind of try before you buy model, where we were able to pay people to do this as a side hustle to let both parties test. But I'm a big fan of that. We almost always do that now with, with new hires. But why, why else do you think, for anybody else that's thinking through like, what's the right type of partnership fit? Like what advice would you give as people are looking to find people to work with for the long haul? You know what I've noticed? I think we are, we're also personality match. We're both not confrontational. We're both, <laughs> you know, we have long-term goals that fortunately in this case also matches. And just the way we work, our style is very collaborative. These are hard things to find, to be honest. You just have to be lucky. I think if you did what we just did, maybe nine times out of 10, you'd probably fail. And I think the big thing though is, just the way we both approached it was very long-term because if someone was trying to monetize the relationship within the first month or even you know immediately, all that goodwill would have been lost and there would have been an opportunity for this to become what it has become. So that's something I would definitely look for is just being very long-term minded, 
not trying to cash out right away and just build for the future, I think is by far the best uh, way to approach this. Yeah, that's a good call. And our skills align, like you're a world-class operator, painfully intelligent, and they can hold their own with any CEO or COO or CMO. And I'm just kind of the monkey that dances trying to drum up leads in business um, and, and keep the ship running. <laughs> but, um, so <laughs> enough about our beautiful marriage. The main point is what can people learn from this path we've gone on, you know, kind of hitting to this milestone in revenue. So I think it'd be fun to be like, what has worked and what hasn't worked as we've grown this thing? So I'll even let you kick it off as we've been able to triple revenue, like what has worked? So one thing that's really worked, I've noticed is you came with specific skill sets. You are very good at marketing growth, at, at driving leads to the business. I was very good at CRO, operations, systems. And when these things come together, we're greater than the sum of our parts. And that's been, I think, our biggest asset is that one plus one equals three. So that's first and foremost. If we were both CRO experts, or we were both exactly similar in what we're good at, I don't think we would have complemented each other the same way we have. Number two is that our goals are also very similar. So what we aspire growth it to become, and even after that, what we want hit labs or these additional ventures to become in the future are very much aligned and we're working on the same timeline. It's not like you want to cash out today and I'm working for the future. We're very much in sync on that as well. So these are like the fundamentals that I think have, uh, have really helped us. And then another thing, I, if you want to go more into details, it's more about we've just built systems. Like there are these fundamental things that we both believe in. It's like not doing repeat work, for example, having systems trying to minimize meetings in, in an agency setting. If you're not familiar, everything really revolves around meetings. So just trying to be efficient around that, having a learning culture where everyone is like just always trying to improve themselves, stay on top of the game and, you know, be as, as up to date as possible. And fundamentally just having the right people. I remember, by the way, this is one thing I want to hit on is the first thing I remember reading on that email you sent out is no jerks. And it was at the bottom of the email still stands out to me. And I have to say, like, we've really stayed true to that, where everyone who's come to the company who's worked with us, really amazing people. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating here, but they're the kind of people you'd even want in your family, to be honest, like you'd really enjoy being around them because we've been remote and asynchronous since day one, way before COVID. So we really need to the ability to trust each other at a distance and know that someone won't drop the ball. So these are like fundamental things that I believe have worked since day one, since inception. Yeah, it is those kind of overarching principles to set the foundation of how we'll build the company because I've definitely made mistakes of hiring in the past and I've made it by falling in love with a resume or someone's good at speaking, but maybe they can't really execute, you know, and hiring the right person for the wrong time that the company is at. Because one other thing is like, we've been nervous sometimes to hire someone because maybe they were too expensive or senior. But if you get that right person, it is more than worth paying for it. Like our, our now creative director, um, Angela, just a complete rock star. It's like, do we need this? It's like, we really want to work with her. But like, since we brought her on, just, wow, just complete game changer. Absolutely the, the right decision at the right time. Another thing that, that's worked is, I mean, in addition to hiring the right people, it's, it's so not sexy, but investing in building systems and building machine. Because if you have a business that can't run without you, you don't have a business. And 
what that means is over index. Like it's okay to spend a lot on technology if it allows you to be efficient and allows people to do more work or do better work. So we really invested in our tech stack for sales. I mean, I have like four different tools I use to be a one man sales machine. You've invested, and I can even get into those. It's everything from Typeform on our website, Calendly. We would use Mailshake for email outreach. I'm using uh, Bonsai for automated contracts and even a virtual assistant to handle some of the, the manual stuff. And you've done that on the technology side, investing in Asana and other productivity tools. Because if you want to be this lean agency with good margins, it's all about automating whatever you can. Um, I think another thing, so getting to the actual tacticals of like positioning an agency, because even before you came on, I did the worst thing ever. I'm like, I'm your outsourced head of growth and we'll help you with everything. And that was really dumb because all of a sudden I'm giving advice on like SEO and content strategy and we're, we're going deep on email marketing. And yes, I had done that other startups and I was good at some things. I was okay at others and I was better at other things. But the second you came on, we're like, okay, let's talk about what are the things we aren't good at, but we're great at, and let's only do that. And that's when we really nailed it down. And what's so energizing about that is when you go into a sales call and you can be really honest and be like, nope, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't do that. But we do this thing and we think we're the best that does it. And here's why. That's when you can really feel more confident in the sales process. And also, if you're that good, then you can charge a premium. And it's funny because they always say the the riches are in the niches and it took us so long to take that advice, but it's, um, it's, it's a really good one. I don't even want to talk about some of the pricing tests you and I have done on public. I'm not ready to work that much in public, but we've done some horrible mistakes with pricing, maybe charging a quarter of what we charge now for work that uh, required three times as many people just to get our foot in the door. But um, as we go to value-based pricing and fixed fee monthly retainers, that has also been big just because for any bootstrap company, it's about predictable revenue. So you can manage your cash flow and manage your, your backlog of, of what you want to spend. But anyway, those are some things that stand out that we've started to do well, even if it was on the back of mistakes we initially made. Yeah. And just to add to that a little bit, I remember one of the first conversations we had when we were aligning on where we were trying to go in our goals was lifestyle work, life balance. And I remember we were talking about the ability to take a vacation and not have to look at client work and just that kind of freedom. I felt like we were both coming from essentially burnout and we were aspiring for something like that. And at about the same time as well, I was really reading about productized services and especially a guy called Brian Castle, who went through the same journey where he was burned out doing all sorts of things for clients and how he converted his business from a service business that was just churning out custom work to something that was more productized, it's generic, it's, it churns out the same product over and over and over again. And I was obsessed with his philosophy and I wanted to implement that at GrowthIt on day one. And to do that, we had to narrow down our offering and have one product that will be churned out or a few products, but that was it. And we weren't going to over deliver. And that had, there was some essentially conflict between that idea and our culture of white glove service and trying to please all our clients. And that was definitely something that we had to work through. It's still a work in progress. It's not final, but uh, I definitely remember that phase for sure. 
Yeah, we were so obsessed with that, but it, it really did help just as how we approach the offerings that we give. I guess one last thing I thought of is, as we were looking to be this premium agency that focuses on a specific niche, we actually, I don't know if you remember this, we really invested time and money into upgrading our website because like, if we're going to walk the walk or if we're going to talk the talk, we got to walk the walk. And we spent a lot of time on that. I don't know if you remember the two designs we had the designer do. We're like, do one that's traditional and one that's extreme. And we actually ended up going with the toned down extreme one. But we get so many compliments on our website because we speak to the persona of the people we're going after. And at the time, it was a decent amount we invested into it. But that definitely helped with wanting to lean into being a premium agency, having a website that reflected it. You know, as you were saying that, I hope we still have the old version of the website somewhere. Because it would be awesome with, with all the branding to share that, just to show the before and after. Because I remember not only the old site, but also the the iterations in between with the exploding rockets oh and the car so. and the fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> I definitely remember those phases, I think. Uh, and now we settled on something that literally matches the persona or the type of people we serve. So we definitely did a good job on that. Yeah, that's why I wish the Wayback Machine did not exist. Because like, even if you go back to like 2018, man, the website, I think I built it. It was pretty painful. Yeah. Okay, so that's some of the stuff that has worked on this path to, to, to growing the business. What hasn't worked? Things we either tested and failed with or things that just stalled along the way. I'll let you start. I think what hasn't worked, and I would only say this was a temporary thing, was during COVID, when we initially lost all those clients, we lost a little discipline there where we had narrowed down our offerings. Uh, we had defined the type of client we wanted to attract. And during that period of immense pressure and you know like lost revenue, we accepted to work with some clients that were definitely beneath us and just weren't ready. And I don't mean that in a condescending way at all, but just clients who were not good team players and were just destroyed our morale as a whole. Besides that, maybe a few hiring errors here or there, but not much besides that, to be honest with you. I feel like besides these minor issues, we have had a pretty smooth journey for the most part because we have stayed true to the main principles that define growth at least at this point. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It's, and especially in the agency business, you take on the wrong client, it can just kill the morale of the team that one bad client can take up 80% of your headspace and just ruins everything else. And we kind of, especially in that time, we were, you know, we were very open to collaborating with different types of companies. One other thing that's interesting is like when COVID hit and we lost all that money, we were about to make two hires. I'm just so happy we didn't do that because we probably maybe could have kept them but it would have been really tight because you and I are pretty conservative. We always want to have enough cash in the blit bank, like at least over four months worth of cash to, for the company to run. And when you're growing a business, as you invest in more people, all of a sudden your monthly burn goes up. So we were lucky we didn't make those two hires beforehand, but um, it was complete luck because it almost would have been a really bad mistake that we made. But um no, I think you hit on the head. One of the things that's kind of funny, I remember when we lost all those clients, I wrote a blog post about it. I can put it in here. But I remember I called you at some crazy hour, maybe on a week. And I was like, dude, sorry. I was like, this might be a bad time, but I think I just want to talk about like an idea I have for what we can do here. I remember what you said. You're like, we're in crisis mode. He's like, you can call me 24 seven. 
And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. It's like finally someone that like gets it. Cause when you're a, a solo founder or whatever going through this, it can be a, a lonely road and you just look to the bottom of the internet for answers. So that was a, yeah, a memorable time. Yeah. I remember those conversations. And one other thing I also wanted to add is a, is a mistake is accepting clients that weren't willing to pay the full retainer. And I think this stems from our lack of confidence, maybe at that stage. We're very early in this journey and we were willing to accept anyone and everyone who was willing to pay us and bend and twist to appease them. And that was definitely a mistake because as one thing I've learned in agency work is the full retainer, very expensive client and the cheap retainer that demands everyone's time, it's the same amount of work. Um, and that was a painful lesson in those few experiences. But yeah, definitely we learned from that. Yeah, you kind of know if someone's really trying to beat you down on price from the start, it just sets the tone for the relationship and they're not going to value what you do. So you just might as well move on. But easier said than done whenever you're, you're getting email bombs of clients having to let you go because they're about to go out of business. Yeah. The other thing that I think we'll do more of is we're working on some stuff internally with Growth Hit as far as acquiring a business, looking to launch um, another business, and doing more work in public, but excited to share that. But anything else as we try and like reflect on going from essentially almost being out of business and 300,000 to uh, approaching 2 million as we awkwardly try and work in public and share some numbers, um, anything else? The one thing that really stands out to me is because we, we live in this in the business literally week on week, it's hard to realize just the amazing work that's been done. It's only when I'm on team meetings, for example, and I see the team that's been built and I look at the quality of you know everyone and their input and I'm like, wow, what a team we've built here. And I know we'll mention this on a future podcast, but hopefully we can use some of the, the amazing assets and the people we have to build more businesses or, you know, take growth hit and build it into something bigger and better. So that's always very uh, uplifting for me. Yeah, that's probably the most energizing part when you get an A plus person that actually wants to work with you and join the team. And then they come on and they actually deliver. You're like, oh my gosh, it's happening. I can't believe it. But it sounds so like warm and fuzzy, but it really is like the most fulfilling part of it. By far, no question. All right. Well, look at us. We reflected and uh, we talked about some feelings and emotions. It felt like a therapy session. So there we go. But uh, Jonathan, good stuff, man. I know I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks. Today's episode is brought to you by no one. Yep, we have zero sponsors. I haven't reached out to any companies, nor would I expect a reputable brand to give me money. But I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out Growth Hit. Growth Hit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthIt.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman.